Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson, and Nerdette is a show where we talk to your favorite or soon-to-be favorite people, and sometimes we talk about some of your favorite or least favorite topics, and this week we are talking all about money. Because here's the deal, right? I mean, I think a lot of what Nerdette is about is how to be a grown-ass woman in the world, and money is weird and hard and kind of awkward. I think the first time money really came up as a subject on this show was about a year ago when our guests were the co-hosts of the podcast Call Your Girlfriend. And for homework, Amina Tussauds said this. My other homework is that you should make a financial goal for next year for yourself. No matter, no matter how big or small, whether it's like finally checking your bank account every day or having a savings goal in mind or talking to somebody about getting your finances right, um, make a financial goal. Stick to it. So in that audio, you can like literally hear how exasperated and already I exhausted I am just by the idea of dealing with my finances. It's hard. And for so many of us. Money is just like a thing that happens to us instead of something that we can really take charge of. So we're going to take charge of it right now. It's a new year and today on Nerdette, we are going to talk about three big things. Thing the first how to manage your finances. Thing the second, when you are about to get a new job, how to negotiate a higher salary. And thing the third, and maybe the most important one, is how to ask for a raise in a job that you're doing and probably doing really well, goddammit. And the person to help us with that is Lindsay Stanberry. She is the work and money director at Refinery29. She's also the author of a book called Money Diaries, Everything You've Ever Wanted to Know About Your Finances and Everyone Else's. Lindsay, welcome to Nerdette. Thank you so much for having me. So why do you think this is a thing that people should be doing, especially right now in 2019? I think especially in this political climate where we feel often helpless, Mm -hmm. taking care of your money and negotiating a raise and and fighting for your own personal, you know, self-worth is a, it's a game changer. And if we're all doing it, then it's going to create like a movement. And I know it's hard to to focus on like an individual level. But I think that taking charge of your money right now is like is something that we can all actually do. So this book is full of really great tips and tricks. And I think one of the kind of like foundational ones that I would love to talk with you about is the idea that you should know your numbers. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So just starting from the very beginning, how many people don't know how much is in their checking account or like the actual number of their student loan debt? 
it's crazy to me. I mean, I even had to like look up when I was writing the book to see how much I was contributing to my 401k mm-hmm. because that was something that I set up and then didn't even think about again. Right. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> what is that? What is that? How much is in that account? Am I on track? What is on track? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that just sitting down and writing down those numbers can be really em- empowering and also help you kind of begin to lay the groundwork for like, what do you want to do with your money? I, that's the other thing is like, so often when we talk about our finances, it's kind of this like nebulous, especially with like retirement, it's like so oh, far God, yeah. off in the future, like who knows? But let's, you know, let's set some concrete near term and long term goals that you can get excited about that can make managing all of this feel better. And another number you talk about that's important is your credit score. Yeah. I tease in the book that I, I bet you know your SAT score and not your credit <laughs> score. <laughs> right? That's that, that, that's that yep. number from like, yep. I'm not going to say how many years ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it it's an important number to know. It impacts so much of your life. I mean, some people's employers even look at what their credit score is before they make hiring decisions. That seems problematic to me. Yeah, it's hugely problematic, but it is also happening. Yeah. So it's just like balance, right? It's like this is a problem, but we have to like kind of play within the the rules, unfortunately. So one tip that you have that I love and have started utilizing maybe in a good way, maybe not in a good way, is calculating your hourly wage so that you know – like, I think you even use the example of like a pillow at West Elm. You yeah. know, it's like you love the pillow. It's, you know, 50 bucks. That's three hours of work to be able to really break it down to that and then decide, like, is this worth three hours of my working life? Yes or no is really interesting. It's really interesting. It's an idea that came to me through this financial advisor, Manish Kaur, but it's actually something my husband's done for years and I really? didn't even realize it was <laughs> it was like a thing. Um, it drives me crazy when he does it. He is. <laughs> He freelances a lot and did, especially in our 20s. And so for every freelance assignment he would get, he would calculate whatever we were doing. So, you know, you wanted to go to that concert and tickets were 25 bucks. That was an album review that he was writing for somebody. But it it is really powerful. It kind of... For him, that was like a motivation to get the assignment. Um, for your hourly wage, for those of us who are salaried, it's just kind of a good way to think about like, do I really need it? Do I really want it? Mm-hmm. Am I spending my money in a way that makes me feel good in the long run? Yeah, which reminds me of the highlighter test, which I also really love. It kind of reminds yeah. me of like a Marie Kondo, like on your bank account, right? Totally. <laughs> Does this bring me joy? Does it bring me joy? Yeah. So the idea is that you go through and you highlight a month's worth of expenses um, you highlight the things that don't bring you joy. And I push people to kind of be a little creative about like what's not bringing you joy. So one of the examples I give in the book is we all have those like so-called friends that we go out to dinner with and like we spend too much money. Right. And yep. like yep. we don't really like them, but like for whatever reason, we're still in the habit of these like expensive dinners. Um don't do those dinners. You don't have to do them. You know, if you still feel like you need to maintain those friendships, like I'm the biggest fan of having breakfast with people. Having mm. breakfast is so much cheaper. And it, then it's like over. So like those are like small tweaks that you can make that um, will impact your finances. It really is like small things that do add up. So let's talk about negotiating a higher salary. I think this is a really important one, especially for the ladies, but across the board. I don't know if you saw a study. It was probably about six months ago now, I think from Harvard Business Review, 
that I mean, I always grew up hearing that women just didn't ask for raises. They didn't negotiate higher salaries and that that was a huge part of why women were paid less generally. And and so I always have been pushing my female friends when they get job offers to like just ask for more, just a little bit more. Like you don't have to be rude about it, but like do it. Dudes are doing it. We should be doing it. And then this Harvard study came out that said, oh, no, turns out women actually are asking. They're just being told no more than men are, which was like, oh, this is a fascinating twist on the narrative. I'm still mad. (laughs) So what do we do? Yeah. It's never good news, is it? Like when those studies come out, I like want to duck and cover. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we just still have to keep asking and we have to keep it's so hard, but we have to keep pushing for positions of power. And I think it's really exciting right now. I think our generation of women and kind of the Gen Xers above us, you know, they really are. It's like a whole new community of women. We really are trying to, like, reach our hands down and help people around us. And um, that's new, I think. So I I think we just have to keep asking. And it's hard and it's not fun. And it may be that we don't get the money. I know a lot of advice is, like, you know, you have to go out and find that counter offer and then mm-hmm. either use it to get a better raise at the place you're at or just be prepared to leave. I, I hate that advice, but I actually think it's just reality. When it comes to someone who's gotten a job offer, like what is your advice for how they should actually be asking for more dollars? I mean, you just have to ask. And I I think that it's really important to do your research before you make that ask. Um, Being on the side of somebody who has, you know, offered salaries and and negotiated, you know, with the person with the offer, Mm -hmm. it's always amazing to me when people come in with just crazy asks, either under or over. And I'm always like, wait, how did you get that number? (laughs) Um, I don't have $100,000 to pay pay you. I I wish I did. And also, I'm not going to pay you $30,000 because that's crazy, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Well, and a lot of it, too, as you talk about, is the idea that you need to know, like, the entire spectrum of the offer, right? Like, vacation time is worth money. So are sick days. So is the retirement match. So is health care. Like, these things all, you really have to be able to look at the entire picture in order to understand what your salary actually, you know, what piece of that that represents. Especially your current salary when you're going out to look for a new job. I I think it's so important. I was so foolish about this when I was younger. I had no idea that how much my health insurance was worth or how much my vacation time was worth or that bonus that I got and how that all really adds up to your total overall package. It kind of makes you feel like a rock star when you like write that stuff down. But then when you go out and negotiate a new job offer, you need to make sure that you're getting more than that, mm-hmm. which is hard. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I recommend women don't just talk to women about salary ranges. Talk to men, because if they are making more than us, you you should know. And making it ranges also makes people feel a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. sharing that information. Another piece of advice you have that I think is really great is the idea of talking to a recruiter, someone who's familiar with sort of the industry as a whole across the U.S., whatever job that you have, to say, you know, this is this is the career I'm in. This is the career I want. Like, what can I look at in terms of some ranges that make sense? Yeah. And the beauty about working with a recruiter is like 
they have no preconceived notions about you. They like there's nothing on the line for them. It's not about you it's at all. It's not about you at all. They're just going to tell you some numbers. So you don't have to be so awkward about it. But I would recommend talking to a couple of recruiters because I've heard women say that they get different ranges from different people. And I thought that was really interesting. So let's talk about you're in your job. You you like it a lot. You're happy to be there. But you really feel like you should be making more than you are. What is that conversation like? That's really proving your worth to the company, right? I think it's really important to remember, especially for us who are passionate about our jobs Mm -hmm. and our work is very personal, it can be hard to kind of divorce yourself from feeling like, what you're being paid is a representative representative of how much you're worth to the company. Mm-hmm. But you really do need to sit down and figure out like how you are helping the bottom line. And numbers are the best way to do that. So whenever you get like a nice email from your boss or your boss's boss or a colleague, like write that stuff down. And I find the best thing to do is to like actually make a list of all the awesome accomplishments that you've had when you go in for that raise to make your argument and be super positive. It can be such an awkward and like emotional filled thing. But if you go in swinging, it's, you're setting yourself up for failure. I love that idea of coming in with a positive attitude so very much. And I think I'm even going to try it for 2019. Actually, who am I kidding? I'm already coming into this year slugging. Let's be honest. After the break, more on asking for a raise and being your own best advocate, and then also swear words. And I will say for as much, can I say on the air? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do it. We bleeped it that time, but we're not going to bleep it next time. You're listening to Nerdette. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. So, Lindsay, another really good piece of advice from this book is the idea of having a money mantra. What does that mean? Yeah, I love a money mantra. Um, You know... Like I've said before, money can and money management can feel really abstract. And so bringing it into your life and seeing how that money can get you what you want it is really empowering. And I, I tell a story in the book. I took a really big pay cut in my early 30s to go and work for a teeny tiny digital media company. And I was able to do that because I had a great savings account and, and a supportive spouse. I won't I won't take away from that. That was a big thing, too. And that job really changed my life. I I like to joke it was like graduate school without the debt. You know, I did it for a year. And after that year, the company ran out of money and we closed. And 
I was very lucky in that the founder had an incredible Rolodex and he opened it up to all of us. And I, I ended up landing at Refinery29 and That's kind amazing. of the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have money in the bank. And so my money mantra has always been, you know, I want to have that. I want to have that money in the bank so I can take a risk. Harder these days because I have a two-year-old and, uh, you know, cost of living is significantly increased, but it's still really important. And so I really recommend women have that money mantra and they can change it. You know, that's an evolving thing, too. It's important to remember that what you're doing this year might work and what you're doing next year might be something totally different. But yeah, this can be anything from I want to be able to take risks to I'm not sure how long this job will last, but Mm -hmm. I am really enjoying it while I'm here. Yeah to I want to buy a house in the next three years. I want to own my own business. I never, ever want to have a boss again. You know, I think that there are things, you know, you can be as as concrete or as fun as you want to be with it. I think there's also a really important lesson again in there, which again is one of those where it like is financial advice, but also just like life advice which is that you are your own best advocate. Like no one else can fight for you the way that you can learn to fight for yourself. And it's hard to figure that out, but it's really, really good once you have. It's really hard. I think that women are really good at advocating for other people. (laughs) And it's kind of like you have to pretend that you're like the person, like you're like your friend, right? Like what would you tell your friend? That's what I always do to myself. It's like, okay, this is all the really good advice that I give other women. Now I need to channel it and actually take it myself. It's so so hard. It's really funny to hear you say that because I feel like this is a conversation that I am constantly having with my closest girlfriends. Like if we could just negotiate each other's raises, we would have so much more money. Wouldn't that be so nice? I had a really good boss who was also a friend and she was such a good advocate like that. Like she would come to me and be like, so this is what they're asking. And I'm like, they can't offer me that. And she would always go back and fight for me. And would we all have bosses that were like that? I it would make our lives so much better. Hopefully, the farther along we get, the, the more likely that is for, for that to happen, right? And I will say for as much can I say shit on the air? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do it. For as much shit as we give men, you know, so oftentimes they are really great advocates. And and figuring out who the male allies are and really, you know, leaning on them is, is not a bad thing. What do you say to someone who is telling themselves that they shouldn't get a raise? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I do find that people really talk themselves out of wanting and needing. And and I was having this conversation recently with a colleague who got a promotion without a raise. And she was like, but things are bad right now. And I was like, well, yeah, I know things are bad right now. But like, you got a promotion, it needs to come with a raise. So I would say that we need to remember that like, that's what comes back to like making that list and reminding the company what you're doing for the bottom line. And remembering all your goals. And your accomplishments and that you do deserve the raise. So that's an interesting hypothetical because I know of a lot of people who have found themselves in that situation, actually. And it feels like if you miss the window of asking right away, 
then it's too late to ask. And then you're hating yourself for not asking when you should have. Like, is it ever too late in a situation like that to be like, listen, you know, I mean, it seems to me if you get the promotion without a raise, even at least a couple months later to be able to come back and say, these are the things I've done under this new position. These are the new people I'm managing. You know, whatever it is, I would really love some additional compensation for that. I do think that it's never too late. And I do also think it's really important to think about your timing. I talk a lot about that in the book. Like, is your industry rocky right now? Did your company just go through layoffs? Like, it's not unusual for a a business to give you a promotion without a raise. And maybe they truly can't afford it at this moment. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't let them know that, you know, that's something that you're expecting at the end of the year or in the future. And to keep reminding them like, hey, I'm still here. I still need money. I still have needs. And that's another time that maybe it's time to go out and get the counter offer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It can be really hard, I think, in the workplace when you work really hard and you get like so hyper focused on your your job to remember your good qualities and what makes you a good employee and like reminding yourself from time to time, like writing those things down, making that list to remind yourself that you are like valuable and people want you. And that's why I always think it's good to interview for jobs, even if you don't think you want to leave your job, just is like a muscle flexing moment. And also a good reminder of like, you're awesome. You're doing it. Yeah, that's good advice. I also like the idea of applying for jobs that you don't totally think you're qualified for? A hundred percent. I mean, there's that crazy study that men apply for jobs where they only meet 50 percent of the requirements. <laughs> oh, my God. I and didn't know that. <laughs> men and women only apply for jobs that they meet 100 percent of the requirements. <laughs> and cry. On, honestly, if... <laughs> If you, if you meet 100% of the requirements, you're probably overqualified. Right. Yeah, you should apply for, you should be the boss of that person. The next job. <laughs> oh, my so, God. Yes. Push yourself a little bit. Take some risks. You know, like the worst that happens is no. And, you know, as I was thinking lately, like, no really stings. I, I, I won't joke. You know, like, I, like it. No stings, but like no is not going to like stop you from getting out of the bed tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Well, and no is also not never, right? Also true. You know, like just because you're getting a no now doesn't mean when you ask next time and you've done a lot of good work in the meantime or you do have, you know, you do meet more of the qualifications or whatever. Like it's not yet is what it is, right? I think we all need to remember like our bosses can't read our minds. They don't like actually know. Like our bosses don't know. Our partners don't know. Our (laughs) friends don't know. If you want people to know, you have to tell them. So before you go, I want to talk about one other thing that I think is really important that you talk about a lot in the book, which is the idea of not comparing yourself to others, which is so difficult. Again, with the life advice. (laughs) It's so difficult. Prayer always teases that your friends look richer on Instagram. I just like that's the truth. Everybody looks better on Instagram. And that maybe goes back to the money mantra where like if you set a goal for yourself and you know how you want to use your money, then stop worrying about everybody else and how how well they're doing. I've made really clear decisions in my life and my career. You know, I live in a small apartment in New York City and I have one kid like these are this is the life I want for myself. So I can't look at my friends who live in Cincinnati still and have huge houses and be jealous because that was the life they chose for themselves. And that's that's awesome. Good for them. Man, that is that in and of itself is such a great life mantra. Just the idea of like, no, this is the life that I chose for myself. I think that's what it all comes down to. Right. Is like you're not just a victim of your circumstances, or at least you don't have to be. You can make a life that you want for yourself. Yeah. And if you don't like your life, like figure that out. Like, I really want 
life is never perfect for everyone, right? We all have good days and bad days and this shit that we put up with. Um, but yeah, like figure out what that life is that you want and figure out how you can go get it and, and you know, save some money along the way so that you can take those risks. Lindsay, thank you so much for writing this book. I think it's really important and super helpful. And I myself am really excited to like actually go through and do some of the math and and see how I'm doing. Good luck with that. I bet you're doing better than you think. I think <laughs> I most people so. are. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Lindsay Stanbury is the author of Money Diaries, Everything You've Ever Wanted to Know About Your Finances and Everyone Else's. I can't recommend this book highly enough. It is so helpful. Even if you just spend like an hour with it every once in a while, I think it really will help you feel more empowered about your dollars, which is a really good goal to have. So, Here's to a very fruitful 2019. The show is produced by myself, Greta Johnson, along with our former intern, Sophie Lalonde, who did a lot of work on this episode. We already miss her. And, of course, Justin Bull. Our co-creator is Trisha Bovita, and our executive producer is Brendan Banizak. Nerdette is supported in part by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science and technology in the modern world. You can subscribe to Nerdette on Apple Podcasts, follow us on NPR One, or listen in the WBEZ app. And it is super helpful if you leave us some stars on Apple Podcasts. Many thanks to Emily of Mischief for the very kind review. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerdette Podcast. We have a newsletter. You'll probably like it. You can sign up for it at wbez.org slash nerdsletter. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Get that money. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer Podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.